guys are doing amazing with the social distancing thing. Like, we've got little clumps everywhere, and everybody's moving around. For those of you on the stream, if you're wondering, you're nervous, but you're like, these people are doing a good job. They're really good. Uh, they're respecting one another. But, man, I am so excited. I mean, it's kind of one of those bittersweet things. You know, I know that there's people that are on the other side of the camera, that are on the live stream, that want to be here, that can't be here. Um, and then there's you, and then there's another service where we're going to be doing this again. Um, and I can't wait till like we, we can really move in here and be shoulder to shoulder, because I know human beings, God created us that way, uh, to stand right next to one another, to hug, to um, do more than elbow bump. But uh, man, it is, it is exciting. And I am excited today, because we're starting a new series, um, and it, Back in 2013, I did a talk. I don't like many of my talks. I mean, I'm very self-critical, and I, I go through, and you know, I just like, okay, we're done with that one. We're moving on. Uh, but I left this one, and I just thought I left some things on the table with this particular talk. And the title of the talk was in 2013. Aaron Walsh reminded me, like this, this talk was done in 2013. Uh, the title of the talk was Reverb, and I remember leaving and thinking this should be a series. Like th- this is a the, the idea that was kind of wrapped around the talk. So I went home on my Google Doc, put some, you know, anchor points in there and tagged it so that I could go back and find it. And now, seven years later, I finally come back and said, now's the time. And I really do believe that, uh, that now is the time. So if you got your Bible, turn with me at Ephesians chapters 3 and 4. We'll be kind of in the transition of what God's doing and what the Apostle Paul is saying in the church at Ephesus. Um, but also what, what's happening uh, with us in our Christian life um, and let me give you an idea, just a little bit of what kind of what, what the idea of reverb and why I, I even want to talk about it and why I think it is a part of what God has called us to do, which is to reverberate. And we've talked about evangelism in here. I think over the, even over this season, like I think God's there's kind of a rumbling underneath, you know, as we're missing church, we're missing be, being together. But even more than that, that maybe in this season, as we move, move outside the church, as we are um, working missionally with our city groups more, that will be evangelistic. But when you start talking about the word evangelism, people, that's when sweaty palms happen in church. I remember years ago, we went through our vision statement. We exist to invite anyone and everyone to experience the unending ocean of grace that comes through Jesus alone. And we literally broke it down word by word. I mean, we broke down the anyone, the everyone. But when we got right at the beginning, we hit the invited person portion, I loved it because like, pastors almost feel bad now in 2020 to say, you need to invite your friends to church. You know, let's have, bring a friend to church Sunday. Um, but everybody gets like, I don't, you know, inviting people to church or inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. I think people are nervous. Like, I don't even know how to do it. It's a strange culture to be in, to bring up Jesus is attached to a lot of things. You know, you get a lot of things attached to Christianity, especially now in 2020. It can be politically driven on, you know, politics, religion. When you're at dinner, you can't talk about that. We all get nervous and sweat palms. So the idea of reverb is really a more holistic idea of evangelism and this idea of reverberating. And let me give you the definition of reverb so that you can get an idea of where I'm going with this so it doesn't feel so obscure. The definition is to become reflected, to continue in or as if in a series of echoes or repeats, like something that you got the initial piece and then it's repeated. Um, and a way it would be used or an example, a historic event that still reverberates today. So I think you can kind of get that idea that it's, it's something that repeats, that there's something that, that happens. And that's the gospel for us. If we're going to carry the gospel outside of these walls, then what's happened to us, the grace that's come into us, the mercy that's come into us, the love that's been extended to us, the approval that we've received through Jesus 
is the thing that, now we don't create any of those things. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't work for our salvation. It was Jesus, only Jesus. But now we become the ones that reverberate that to the world outside of these walls. So that's kind of the idea of where we're headed. And I think of this, and and, and this is to get you an illustration, because what's happening in Ephesians, um, you'll see kind of the transition or the, 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 the break of the initial movement of God in salvation and then the reverberation of the church. But when we talk about it in musical terms, it's the same thing. It's an echo. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a continuation. It's something that happens. And as we look here on the stage, we have a lot of people that use reverb. People got reverb on their vocals. But it's something that's used a lot in music, and it makes it better. Um, in this article I read in The Atlantic, I loved it. it was, the whole article was about reverb. I, I'm, I, I was a worship leader for years in ministry, and I, I love music, and I certainly love reverb because it's all over worship music. Um, it says, even a gu- the guitar solo of every 1980s power ballad bears reverb's angelic touch. Yes, reverb makes music sound better when done right. I know the musicians would appreciate that. But it goes well beyond what we can reasonably ask any studio trick. It suggests that there's something beyond ourselves. I love that because reverb does that. If you hear it, and you're going to hear it in a second... What it does is it takes an initial melody and then it does something to it. It extends it in a way that, number one, it repeats it. It grows and it stretches. It moves beyond itself. Number two, it makes music better. It makes it more attractive. I don't know. I, I've gotten into. I mean, there's there's a lot of anybody Cigaros fans. I remember it hit like 2007, 2006, and then he got really popular in the 2009, 2010. I used to be. I mean, he really uses reverb or hammock. Anybody listen to anybody ambient music people? So yeah, yeah. So you get you get into like riding in the car when I'm by myself. I'll listen to hammock or I'll torture my kids when we're on a trip. I was like, all right, it's quiet time for everybody. I know you're teenagers. They're quiet now anyway. It's like headphones in. Don't talk to me. Um, but we we're, were listening to hammock, and I remember. I mean, it's just this kind of feeling you get and this dissonance and this kind of thing that happens when you listen to that type of music. And my wife said. You know, can you imagine, and there's this one track, and we, I, I, I could, every time it comes on, I always think of what she said. She said, imagine, she goes, you know there's going to be a song playing, there's going to be music playing when we are going to see Jesus. And she goes, I imagine an, us all kind of heading up different escalators, no longer having to social distance. We're heading up escalators to see Jesus. And she says, and, and imagine something like this that's playing. And it's this angelic use of reverb and just ambient music. And as soon as she said it, I'm just getting chills. She's like, you know, it doesn't even need words. You can almost hear underneath the music, the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's kind of the, the, the idea in reverb. It stretches things. It makes music better. Not only does it repeat, it makes it better. It extends it. So I want to do something real quick. I want to invite somebody to the stage. I would say he might be... The uh, most most creative use of reverb uh, of anybody uh, in our band, and he's been a worship leader here, probably had uh, a ton to do with defining the worship culture here at Ocean City Church. Aaron Walsh is, I don't even know where you are. There you are, right on the, you're ready to go. Now, Aaron, if there is, some people say using pedals, you're not a purist, but I think this pedal board right here will be in heaven. Um, It is larger than most, and it it definitely can accomplish some reverb. So what we're going to do is he's going to start out now with something very simple. And then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna play something from a little-known band called U2. Um, but like just the idea of it's, it starts with a, a, just a simple melody, and then it begins to change as you add reverb to it. It begins to stretch, and you'll, you'll kind of see how it 
repeats, but you'll also see how it just makes it better. All right, so this is just a real simple, simple line. He could teach you this line. It's nice, it's nice, but I mean, it's a little bit of reverb, just a little building, right? He's upset that we're showing all of his tricks. He's like, they thought I was a good guitarist and now they're going to know I just played three simple things. You see that? Look at that. Somebody's like, I'm going to be on the worship team. That will be my job. All right, let's, let's stretch it a little more, okay? Let's... Come on now, you're feeling me. It's in there. All right, now let's see uh, in, a, in a, a typical melody. Now, it's great when you hear something you know, because in the beginning you're like, I don't know. You know, this, this is a, a guy with one name. His name is The Edge, plays this, and Aaron's our edge. Just so you can get a, get a feel for it. So this is... It's kind of plain, right? So you could be The Edge right there. That's not quite there. That doesn't bring you back to your glory days when you listen to you two. All right, end with it good, and then you're out. Sweet. Aaron Walsh, ladies and gentlemen. See, that's reverb. It, it repeats itself. It, it, it's not, what's interesting about reverb is the, the reverberation isn't creating the melody. You have the artist that creates the melody, but the reverberation gets to take that melody and gets to extend it. It gets to extend it beyond itself. It gets to create this, this almost massive ball of attractiveness when it comes to music. And the way that God created you and me, when he created us on planet earth, it was to extend his glory. And we were meant to never end, but something at some point stopped the music. And what was it? It was sin. Sin and death. And all of a sudden, human beings have this small, just blip on the radar in terms of life. We were meant to be eternal. We were meant to extend. We were meant to be continually connected to the artist that creates the melody. But because of sin, because death entering the world, because of rebellion... The music stopped, but everything changes. And that's what I love about Ephesians chapters 3 and chapter 4, because as much as we say that Jesus is the ocean of grace, the church is meant to be the echo of grace. We will never be the ocean of grace, but we get to invite people into the ocean of grace. How do we do that? We become the echo. We become the reverb. We become the extension of grace. And if you look at Ephesians 3 and look at Ephesians 4, this is the border in the beginning what, what the Apostle Paul is doing, I want you to hear the melody that Jesus is playing. I want you to hear the song of redemption that's come for you. And one, two, and three. And three is the breaking point of Jesus plays the melody, he is the artist, and then we begin to get into four, and that's where the reverb starts to happen. That's where the reverberation starts to happen. So what's going to happen as a result of the, the song of redemption that's being played by Jesus? And the Apostle Paul 
for three chapters, wants you to know just how much has happened to you, that you've received every spiritual blessing. You've gone from death to life. You had no shot. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You weren't just kind of, I was kind of naughty and I needed to go to church to get better. No, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. And you were made alive in Christ. In Christ, in the first three chapters, 20 times. 20 times you see it. He's making a point that you've received something by the power of the Spirit, something incredible. You've won the lottery. And what would happen if you won the lottery? Would it change you? Yes, it would change you. Would it change your behavior? Yes. You would begin to spend that money. It would change who you are. Now, sometimes money, sometimes this illustration breaks down because sometimes money makes people bad. But you certainly wouldn't, it it would change your life. And the Apostle Paul says, receiving what you've received, how much better is it to have eternal life than money. I mean, you think about it. We don't think about it in, in the everyday. I mean, we, we kind of get our eyes down on planet Earth. If you're a follower of Jesus and you, you think, okay, I've got a limited window. And we fear death. We walk around scared. We walk around with, with making our lives, doing as much for ourselves as we can in the moment that we live, forgetting many times that we've received every spiritual blessing. And God's called us to live it out and reverberate. See, that changes the framing when you think about, a lot of times when I've, I've preached through uh, the book of Ephesians, I get to the boundary line and you preach the gospel, the gospel, the gospel in one, two, and three. And then you've got, from the indicative, you've got the imperative that moves out in four, five, and six. Okay, so what are you going to do now? Now that you've received every spiritual blessing, now that, now that your sins past, present, and future have been annihilated by the cross of Jesus Christ and you are eternally approved of by the King, What's, what are you going to do with your life? How, how is this going to change you? And I, I, I love this. If you look in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 3, I think it's, I'm starting in 16. Listen to this. He's kind of laying the groundwork for what's in you. This is what's in you, and this is what it looks like to be bound together with other people that have the same thing in them. In 16, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Ephesus. Big, d- diverse church of Gentiles, like this. This is, we, we are, this is mostly Gentile church here at Ocean City Church. 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, so these are the riches that you've received, every spiritual blessing, his inheritance, you've been adopted into his family, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that's where it starts, you being rooted and established in love, may have power. See, I'm going to push this thing outward. Together with all the Lord's holy people, listen to this, to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and deep the love of Christ is. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It begins with the gospel. The Apostle Paul wants you to know just how deep, how wide, how, how big this is that you've, what, what's happened to you when it comes to the gospel. He's making sure you don't want to, there's no commands in one two, three, one, two, and three, except remember. He's like, if you don't remember this, if this hasn't happened to you, then four, five, and six don't mean anything. In other words, you, you're not going to reverberate without Jesus. There's no reverb without the artist playing the note. So if you don't know Jesus, I, I think sometimes we, we run out of the doors thinking, okay, I'm going to do religious things, I'm going to do nice things for God, and I'm going to reverberate. But you don't really know God. You don't really know Jesus. The gospel hasn't overwhelmed you. The power that would strengthen you by the power of his spirit, you've not experienced that yet. 
And here, I love this, that you would experience this together, that you'd be rooted and established in love with other people. He's, he's saying, in love. When, you know how love, like something turns your world upside down and you've experienced it with somebody else? I mean, have, you ever, have you ever done that? Like, I couldn't explain to you, like if somebody told me, if I read reviews and somebody said, this restaurant's good and I ate there and it's great, I'm probably not going to aggressively endorse that restaurant or the food there unless I've experienced it. I'm not going to be the one telling you what it tastes like, but if I go there and it's good, you're going to hear about it. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to cut into the meat and go, whoo. I mean, I'm just going to be, I'll have as much fun telling you about it than I did eating the, the meal. And I, I want to bring you, I want to invite you, I want to bring you to that place. But unless I've been there and experienced it, I certainly am not going to carry it or reverberate it out to the world. You picking up what I'm laying down? It's like being on a vacation together. You know, it's like you just had to be there. My kids talk about that. We went to North Carolina over 10 years at this unbelievable place. Just at somebody's generosity, we got to experience that. And I could show you pictures. I could tell you about it. But you have no idea just what a gift it was and how amazing it was. But when I get with my kids and the other people that were on those vacations, we all nod our heads. We're like, because we know, because we've experienced it. It all starts with experiencing the gospel. I've gone from death to life. When you see baptisms here at Ocean City Church and you see somebody come out of the water and you know their story, it's the thing that you see, you go, that's, that's it right there. That life right there is going to reverberate. It's reverberating as, it, as it's coming out of the water in baptism. It's reverberating in the room and it's going to reverberate out in life. So how does that happen? How does it happen? It, has, it starts with the gospel and you experiencing the gospel. But how does that happen? Well, in four, he says this. And this is the how this all happens, how, how the reverberation happens. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, the Apostle Paul is in prison, by the way, when he writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. He's saying, it's come down, now it needs to go out. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he, I love this statement. He says, there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You think he used enough alls there? I mean, you talk about the superlatives all over the place. He wants to make sure, and it's one, that this is, this is a, it's a unifying statement about our faith, that it's all about Jesus and only Jesus. But I want to talk about a couple of things that we'll see here in this passage. And I'll talk a lot about repeats because reverb, if you ask the musicians, is about repeating. It's about echoing. It's about taking something and putting it out there and repeating it. But I first want to go back to the, the top of Ephesians 4 where it says, in, in verse 1, it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling which you've received. Live a life worthy of the calling which you have received. If you read that in isolation, if you read that and don't understand the, the context in which the Apostle Paul's talking to them, or don't know a little bit underneath what the, the common Greek says, you might think, okay, I've received Jesus and now I've got to pay him back. I've got to live my life worthy now. I've got to raise the bar in terms of the way that I, that, that I live, almost in a guilt way. Like, yeah, he died for me. He bled for me. There's a picture of the cross. I see him bleeding. Now I've got to, you know, I, I, I didn't deserve it. He gave me something. So now I've got to go share the gospel. Now I've got to go to the Carver Center and tutor kids. Now I've got to go on a mission trip because I should do that. You know, I've got to live a life worthy of the salvation that was given to me. 
The misunderstanding there is that word worthy is, it's, it's measure and equal weight is what that word means. It's different than like you, I, he did it for you, now you do it for him. It's more about what's happened to you and that this weight of the gospel's come and it's come in you and now you respond. So, hey, you've received love, now you can love. You've received approval, now you can extend that approval and that grace. You've received the ocean of grace. You've received this thing vertically from God and now you can extend it. Now you get to reverberate. See, that changes the framing. Like, it's in me. It's in me. And Ephesians 5 puts it in, in, in a great way. It says you know, that you are going to reverberate or reflect or be image bearers as dearly loved children. Right? As, as dearly loved children. How, how do they do it? Well, they can't help it because the DNA is in there. My kids are Derek image bearers. I, I, I feel bad for them. They just, you, walk, you see them every once in a while. You're like, <laughs> that's definitely Derek. I mean, they just have, the, and they can't help it because it's in there. It's in their DNA. They're mom and dad image bearers. And that's what it says in Ephesians 5. It says, be image bearers. Be reflectors. Be repeaters. My kids are repeating me. Hopefully the good things. But that's what the Apostle Paul's talking about. Measure an equal weight. All of a sudden now, you've received in one, two, and three this unbelievable gospel, this every spiritual blessing, short life, just a, a, a micron of a life, and then you're going to die, and now your life is eternal. You've received everything. Now, how are you going to live? And he begins to lean in and tell us what it looks like to live. So we're just going to do two repeats today from our reverb pedal of grace, all right? So how do we do it? Well, the first repeat is very simple. Love one another. Love one another. Like, look around the room right now. Like, these are the people. As we come into these services, as we gather in our city groups, as we gather as the, the church family to love one another. It is, the, it is an initial reflection to the rest of the world that becomes attractive like reverb and repeats like reverb. That we would love one another. Be completely humble. You know what extends? Narcissism doesn't extend. Humility extends. Narcissism never gets beyond itself. It's me, 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 me. I'm not repeating anything. Humility extends. I mean, think about the athletes of the world. Are we attracted to the narcissistic ones or the guy that gets up to the podium? And he doesn't, he always pointing it back to his teammates. He's always pushing it outward. He's always pushing it away from himself. The glory is going somewhere else. Which one are you leaning towards? Which one are we going to lift up? It's the guy that's humble. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Jesus says this in, in, when he's spending uh, a little more time with the disciples before he goes to the cross. In John 13, 35, he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. This is how they will know. This is how you'll reflect. This is how you'll repeat who I am. Because he's getting ready to wash their feet. This is how they're going to know. If you love one another. People are going to see it. People are going to know if you love one another, it's different than the world that we live in right now. I just want to let you know. Having a group of people, a community that truly, through, through the grace and mercy of God, that loves one another and bears with one another in love. Because bearing is, the, the, the root of that word in the Koine Greek is put up with. Yeah, put up with. And I think about this, the way this hit me in terms of my own life is, and I've done this, where you feel like, have you ever just mentally and maybe to other people cut people off? You know, in our house, we call it, you're dead to me. Like, you know, somebody, somebody's in your life and you're like, it's, I've tried, I've given it the good college try, you're dead to me. That's it. 
I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not going to, that, I've, I've, I, they're just too different than me. I got my people, and they got their people. They bother me. I'm just, you know, I'm going to go. I know we're in the same church. They're going to sit over there. I'm going to sit over there. They go to the 9. I'm going to go to the 11, 15. I'm going to find out where they're going because I'm not going to go to the same church service that they're going to. They're cut off. I'm done. Have you ever just been done? Like, I'm just done with them. Again, uh, uh, you could go into counseling, and people could say, hey, you probably need to take a break from that person. They're toxic. That, that's a different thing. But to say that you're done, like to say that you're done with someone, and cutting people off is not what reflects. And you know why? Because God was never done with you. In your rebellion, in walking away, in not caring about him, saying, I don't care who you are, I don't care. And we still do it. We still rebel. We still turn our backs on God and walk away. And he's never done with us. His mercy never ends. His grace never ends. It's still pouring out over you. He's still pursuing you. For some of you, you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to God. And I just want to let you know, his mercy and grace is right here in this room for you right now. And he's not coming like a mean ogre, like you better. He's coming like a loving father with his arms wide open, saying, come home, come home. You've been away for too long. And I love you. He never gives up on us. And what's beautiful about that, when that framing's in our mind, the Apostle Paul puts, he says, this is what's in you. You've received this grace, this mercy, this love, this approval. The anger gets set aside. The, the, the stuff, and I'm not saying people aren't difficult. I'm telling you, I've felt that over the last month. People are hard. But we bear with one another in love. And what does Jesus say? He said, this is how people will know. The church in Acts you see these two pictures in Acts 2 and Acts 4 where they kind of give this overview picture of, of the church. And people around, it says in both of those passages, that, and everyone stood back and, and thought, what's going on there? This is awesome. They had good favor with all those people. Why? Because they treated each other with love, respect, honor, patience. They, they were bearing with one another. The people that had money were giving it to the people that didn't have money. The people that had resources and means, they said, hey, we got more than we need. We can, we can drift this over to, to, to these people. And people on the outside were saying that system actually works in the context of a church and in the, in the context of a, a people that have their heart unified under one roof and one body and one individual. They see it. And like, what is this? It's a reflection. Not only is it getting repeated, and it makes a noise when you do that, when you treat each other with respect and love. I was thinking about city groups. Me and Dave have talked a lot because he's uh, doing a, a lot of the discipleship portion of, uh, is, is in his kind of corner in his job. And we've talked about just getting excited about city groups. And one of the things, kind of the double-edged sort of city groups, when they're going really well, everybody says, okay, now we got to close the doors because we love these people and we don't want any more new people. Not that any of you are saying that. I think something good's happening right now in city groups. And I'm not saying everybody's city groups. Some of you are like, not my city group. Mine's still really weird. Um, some of them are going pretty good. And what happens is people, people get to know each other. Like, I actually, Derek was right. We did actually find some friends here. We do have relationships. We're bound together by the mercy, love, and grace of God. We're enjoying studying the Bible together. And these people aren't weird. They're actually cool. We go out, do stuff. It's fun. And you're like, I can't be, we're not going to be able to keep this transparency, this love, this stuff, if all of a sudden you keep dumping new people in my group. Now, I'll just say this. 
We get that. We've tried Citigroup probably 12 different ways. In 10 years, we've done it a lot of different ways. And I'm not saying we won't change again. Some of you are like, you probably will. It's Ocean City Church. You'll change it. Um, we probably will if God leads us to change it. But we, we think our mission and vision is to invite anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace that comes through Jesus. And rather than serve ourselves and go, okay, this is my, my group that's good and I like it. We get along. We're able to do this. I can be transparent with this person to say, I've received something, and yes, we're going to study the Bible. Yes, we're going to have other Bible studies. Yes, outside this group, we're going to have groups of people and subgroups of people where I can be transparent, where I can pour my heart out and feel safe. But man, if there's a new person here, if there's a new person that's coming into my city group, I've now got an opportunity. We should be excited. We should get together in our city group and go, we got a new couple coming. I don't know if they know Jesus or not. All I know is their name. They got three kids, and they're coming to our city group. And all of a sudden, you are the people that get to welcome them into the unending ocean of grace, no matter where they are on their spiritual plane or their spiritual journey. That gets me excited. That's a changing of the way that you think about what it means to be a part of a church. Rather than church is for me, church is actually a place where we get to reverberate to other people and give our lives away. That's what it's meant for. That's what God wanted to do. Jesus is the, the ocean of grace, and we, the church, are the echo of grace to the world. Repeating, repeating, extending this attractive, ambient flow across planet Earth. That's the way that God has created you and me. The second repeat, it's the last one, is unity in the Spirit. Look at verse 3. It says, make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I love this because it's very specific, this second repeat. So you should love one another, yes. Bear with one another, yes. But there's, there's a piece to this. There is unity in the Spirit. And if you read this passage, and I encourage you to go back and read all of Ephesians chapter 4. He's wanting them to not just be, not, not just unity, that's what we're doing, because you can unify on a lot of different things. You can unify and avoid certain things. Like our, our method of unity is to not broach certain topics. Our method of unity is I'm just going to let them believe what they believe. Our method of unity, you can, be, you can like one another and bear with one another with a bad strategy. But the Apostle Paul says, no, we're going to have unity in the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's one thing. And he makes that abundantly clear. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It is Jesus and only Jesus. So he's saying there's this unified picture where we have to speak truth and love. And that's where you'll find this in Ephesians chapter 4. Where I want to, because I love them, I want to speak truth. I, we want to be on the same, we want to be in the same zone. Does that make sense? Like there, there's a reason, like we, we just changed and overhauled last year our A101. It used to be like a leadership class. If you want to be a leader, we had to make sure that people understood the secondary theological issues that might come up and what, how to teach in any of the classrooms and if you're on the stage or if you're in any teaching environment, just to know, you know what we believe theologically on, on these particular issues because not everybody believes these in the church, but they're where we stand as a church. But we, we realize in the midst of that, you know, we need to go back to really the true A101, which is the foundational beliefs of Christianity. If you don't believe these things, then you're probably not a Christian. Like Jesus, only Jesus, that Jesus paid it all. The sovereignty of God and salvation, that we don't save ourselves, we don't work for our salvation, but he saves us. He does the work. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. 
So we started A101 so that we all are in harmony together as a church. Not that we're not a diverse body. I mean, he continues to talk about all the diversity of the body and all the people doing all these different functions in the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, hey, some of you are going to be a hand, some of you are going to be a foot, some of you are going to be an eye, and we need them all to work and function together. But there is one faith that we follow. There is one Jesus overall and in all and through all. It is him, it is Jesus, and only Jesus. And there's something about that that we know is good and we know is right. When we sing together, I mean, isn't that like one of those things that happens in the room? All of a sudden, people from different walks of life, different had different weeks, experiencing different things, some parents, some not parents, some are older, some are younger, but all of a sudden we're singing together with one voice, one heartbeat. We realize that reverberates. That changes things. You know, A.W. Tozer says this. I love it. Because as a, as a musician, somebody that loves music, it's a powerful illustration. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other. They're not just figuring it out along the way, a bunch of musicians in a room going, okay, are you in A, am I in B? We're, we're, okay, let's get on A, we'll all eventually get together. No, they're not tuning to one another, figuring out how do I act, what do I do? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. We are not the, the author of grace and mercy, but we get to reverberate that grace and mercy. We are not, the, we, don't, we didn't create the melody in the song of redemption and salvation. Jesus did that. But man, what a privilege it is that we get to reverberate it. I mean, I, I want to do that. Just sing, sing, sing together. Hold up. You got, you got a little A John nail over, over here. He's got a little reverb on his keyboard, but not much. Turn it up a little bit. And let's, let's, when, when you sing this, I always think when we sing this song um, and everybody comes together, it's, it's, such a, it's, it's, a, it's the unity of our faith. It's good grace. Anybody know that? So sing it with the, just the chorus. Jesus, our redemption, our salvation. Come on. Is in his blood. Jesus, light of heaven. Jesus, light of heaven, friend forever, friend forever, his kingdom come. So don't let you, sorry. You see that, you feel that when you, when you sing those songs together. It, it does something in the room. But it's also a representation of our faith and the power of the unity in the spirit. Because that's when it happens. I mean, Aaron would tell you if everybody was playing reverb up here, their own reverb pedal and their own chords, and he was on A and he was on D and he was on B and they started doing it, nobody would be attracted to it. But when there's unity up here on stage, when each one understands and knows, I mean, I love watching a band. Like in the beginning, they're kind of, it's, it's clumsy. Rehearsal can be clumsy, can it, guys? And then all of a sudden, something comes together, and then we call it gelling in the band. It's, it's, it's powerful. And that's the church. We're clumsy, but God's working through our sanctification to lead us to one truth, one faith, one baptism, one God, 
in all and through all. It's Jesus and only Jesus. Let's stand. God, we love you. We love that we're part of your church. We want to be a church that reverberates out into this community. We are passionate about one name. We are passionate about one name, and it is you. God, let us have the same attitude and mind toward one another that you had towards us, that with one voice we might glorify our God and Father in heaven. We love you. In Jesus' name.